supreme need of our time is for men to learn to live together in peace and harmony. I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. This is a strong nation. This is a compassionate nation. This is a decent nation. And this is a nation that will not let terrorists change our way of life. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Welcome to the American Perspective. This is Josh Newmark. Joining me today in the studio is David and Christina, cannabis industry professionals. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thanks for joining me. Uh, what is a cannabis industry professional? Uh, well, it is any individual uh, that has reached a professional level in several facets of the business. So that could be cultivation, extraction, uh, management, uh, all the way down to people that are responsible for acquiring licenses, attorneys. So it's sort of a, a broad spectrum of things. So what is it that you're working on right now? Uh, at the moment, um, I have been a cultivation expert for the last 15 years. And at current, uh, I have taken an executive role to provide uh, expansion ex assistance for a major company in the United States. So your primary focus, is it on the medical and medicinal purposes of marijuana or is it for legalization? Um, it is solely for medical. And what kind of things are coming out of marijuana today or cannabis with medical use? Um, you know, there's a lot of differing opinions on that as, as to how people define medical. Uh, in my opinion, it is the use of medical marijuana under uh, circumstances in which it can benefit any individual with a medical condition. So there might be, uh, you know, uh, for example, if you're a child, we're probably not going to recommend that you smoke it. You'll likely really receive some sort of tincture oil dropped under the tongue as where someone that suffers from anxiety and needs some sort of instant relief. Uh, you know, they might be vaporizing it or smoking it or something like that as an adult to alleviate their issues. Now, I know that there's been some YouTube videos of people that have been vaping marijuana oil or cannabis. Um, they're, they seem to have convulsions or neurological issues. And then upon using the vape, it seems to go away after a period of, say, five to ten minutes. Is that something that is real? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that there's a sort of like a, a bizarre level of skepticism there. I think that's mostly driven uh, financially by certain people and that there's uh, a lot of sort of uh, odd response that people have to that, that maybe it's some sort of uh, fakery or something <laughs> like that. Uh, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience that that's not the case. Yeah, uh, when, once you see it in real life and you're actually watching someone say with Parkinson's disease who will be sitting and trembling and then it all it takes is maybe just a couple inhales from either a vapor cartridge or perhaps they have like a pre-rolled joint uh, to actually sit and watch them stop shaking is a miracle in itself and even their friends and family say we've tried everything 
And this is working and you can see that. Which is incredible. I mean, it's 2019 that, you know, we're, they were doctors, that is, you know, cramming opiates down our throats. Right. Um, they're, you know, depending on who you talk to, some say that the CBD oils or the THC that's in it does give people relief for certain patients and some don't. Then you have the videos online. So basically what you're saying, a good rule of thumb is don't believe everything you see, but there are a lot right. of good points to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if somebody has certain conditions, they can't fake stopping shaking. That's not physically possible. If, if, if there are certain neurological conditions where that person is going to shake no matter what. So the fact that they have discontinued shaking mm -hmm. is pretty self-evident, right? So when I listen to like the head of the FDA say, oh, you know what? I think that it's just the parents believe that they're seeing a change in their child. Mm -hmm. Well, if somebody has involuntary convulsions and they stop, I don't know how you simply convince yourself that they mm -hmm. stop. And some of the best videos I've seen of parents, I'm actually, I follow a lot of parents on social media. So uh, one particular child was born with half, she had a disability at birth where she was only born with half a brain. Uh, this little girl, you can follow her on Facebook. Her page is Supernova. She, her mom, she, they were living in Texas and moved to Colorado because her mom thought that cannabis would be able to help her daughter. She was having a hundred seizures a day. Wow. So you have a little girl who's doped up on all sorts of pharmaceutical drugs. And when she became a, we call them a cannabis refugee when they leave their state to move to Colorado, Washington, started using a, it was a 10 to 1 THC to CBD, just oil underneath her tongue. And all of a sudden her seizure stopped. And now she's at a point where she won't have one for six months. And this is a little girl who was in a hospital bed. And now we're watching her walk and say, I love you, mom. And while she may not ever have that function because she was born with half of a brain, um, to see her smile and joke and laugh and walk, she's actually walking. You know, her mother is so thankful that people gave her that advice to go to Colorado and try it. She has her daughter back for the first time. You know, there's stories like that that you see that there there is a lot of snake oil. There is a lot of, you know, there, there are some people who will come off as a, a professional or, or give advice that's wrong, but there are just way too many stories out there at this point where you watch somebody get their life back. Yeah, and, and, and to that point, uh, uh, Chrissy and I have both witnessed uh, many people that make uh, bizarre false medical claims right. uh, to, to the point where it deeply offends us. Right. Uh, you don't do that. Right. Uh, in, in my line of work, I don't think I have ever once referred to someone as my patient. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Okay. My, my job is to create the circumstance that their medicine can be extracted from. A medical profession is the person that is supposed to administer that and help that patient. It's not my patient. So often I consider a red flag the instant someone even says that. Mm. Well, my patient. Well, you're not a doctor. So, uh, but yeah, we see it all the time. I, I, the other day we met someone who claimed that if you just rubbed a little bit of his cream on your rib cage, your lung cancer would go away. <laughs> we kicked him out. 
Right. He's not welcome in our life. He's not welcome anywhere near any facility that we're in. That's ridiculous. So one of the things that has come out in the news recently is the new drug that is FDA approved or is going to get the, the seal of approval. It's going to treat the, a neurological disorder. Was it the for uh, seizures? Oh, I actually uh, did some research on this. Either Epidex, I believe it's called, or Marinol, the synthetic mm-hmm. marijuana. So the Epidex, unfortunately, is actually not good. It, 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 the, the dyes that they use in it and the synthetic process they did, it actually will attack a patient's liver. Oh. So if you start looking into what they're actually putting into that product... Um, It actually will cause liver failure, and you have to take 3,200 milligrams as the starting dose. Like, it's a very high dose of something that doesn't have to be that high. So when you're over-medicating, it's no different than giving somebody too much Tylenol or, you know, you you just, it's not going to benefit the patient in the end. Right, and it it reminds me of of why marijuana was made, uh, or at least villainized to begin with. It was the number one prescribed medication in the United States. However, the pharmaceutical companies could not control it. Right. However, they could control the opium trade. So, uh, you know, I'm seeing a similar thing right now where they're looking at marijuana from the perspective of, well, we can't control this and we can't control the profitability of this. So we're going to get the FDA to side with us so that we can produce some sort of synthetic drug that cuts all other potential out of the market, irregardless of the fact that it's you, you, you've taken something that is notably non-toxic that can't kill you, and you're going to replace it with something that's notably toxic and could kill you for the sake of profitability. And, and that's... That's really where we're at right now. I think most people in our business consider ourselves to be small pharma, mm-hmm. and big pharma doesn't like us a whole lot. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that's a big threat, too. Now, a takeaway from that would be to definitely try some or keep on something that's natural, not right. something that's synthetically produced. But even when you, you have to beware, there's no regulation. This is the wild, wild west. So you'll have certain states that don't require pesticide testing. So regardless if you think you're doing the right thing, if you think you have, you know, a safe product, um, sometimes that's not the case either. Yeah, I mean, for for example, uh, what's going to be like cannabis hypermesis syndrome is actually identical to what happens if you continually ingest pesticides because you are ingesting something that isn't marijuana. It's marijuana plus Something that uh, under normal circumstances you, you probably wouldn't encounter, let alone in those amounts. But what these growers are doing is pretty disgusting because a lot of these products, yes, they, they may have a place in agriculture. But the, the problem with cannabis is that it's generally not a washable crop. It's not like an apple with a skin on it that you can put through a process and clean and take all of those chemicals off of. Right. So, you know, we'll see test results and... There's thousands and thousands of parts per million left on this plant of something that's known to be a neurotoxin. That's that's not the fault of the cannabis. That's the fault of the state for not providing proper regulation. And that's the fault of immoral people that are there to make a profit. Right. Like we see cannabis hypermesis syndrome. We saw it. Some of the first reports of it were back in the 90s. 
Well, about five years ago, they decided to make an ICD-9 code for it because people would be ingesting or smoking marijuana for, say, their nausea. Well, what happens is your nausea gets worse. So you smoke more cannabis and then your nausea gets even worse. And so what the doctors have done is said, well, it's the cannabis. It's the marijuana that's making you sick. So you need to stop doing that. What they haven't looked at is what have they allowed in that state to spray on the plant? There's one particular product, Azimax, that when you call the manufacturer, they don't have any testing being done to show what happens after you heat that chemical and then inhale that chemical. What's happening is it's a derivative of uh, azadiractin, which comes from the neem oil seed or the neem seed that builds up in your system to a point where your body needs to purge. And that's when you get the your stomach and you, you have cramping in your stomach and the nausea and vomiting. So it's not the plant itself. It's actually the products being used on the plant because there isn't studies being done to show what happens when you heat it and especially concentrate it say in a vapor pen, then it's 10 times worse or right. 12 times or 20 times worse. Right. Like like in Washington State, um, when when things first started out, they're, they're, they told people there's chemicals you can't use. Here's the approved list. But they didn't put any punishments or penalties in place <laughs> for breaking those rules. So you had all these large companies come in and instantaneously, I mean, I, I come from a town where licenses were first issued and I spoke to people that work in those places and they have permanent damage to their, their nervous system from trimming those plants and interacting with those plants from the disturbing things they were spraying on them. For example, uh, Avid is one product that was com commonly used. Uh, that's a neurotoxin that doesn't leave your body once it enters. So it will stay in your body permanently from that day forward. So as it accumulates, your condition gets worse. Um, and uh, Eagle 20 is another one that they finally cracked down on, but it was Eagle 20 is a pesticide they use on golf courses. Yeah, well, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a fungicide. Um, and you can, I can smell it if, if I go to a golf course. I, I can recognize the smell of that product. But, but what people were doing is it, not only were they using products that don't make sense uh, to use on something that isn't washable, but they were using products that are clearly marked for... Uh, you know, ornamental use only, turf use only. Uh, and, you know, it, to me, it boils down to good cultivation practices. So like my, my practice, I, I grew up in a, in a home with a, a organic chemist uh, as a father. He taught me. I, I remember one of the first things he told me uh, when I was a kid, when I asked him what organic meant, he said nothing because cyanide is organic. So what does that really mean? Um, and so I've always developed the idea that I don't know what happens when something gets heated. I don't know what happens if you continually inhale and ingest something. So I've always preferred to use, uh, if, if I see a spider mite, I use persimilis and the persimilis eat the spider mite. I don't go to my plants and start spraying things that I don't completely understand, let alone to offer that to someone with a compromised immune system. And for your listeners, persimilis is a, uh, it's a predator bug. So you use bugs to take care of bugs in your garden. Mm. So say if you have spider mites, you find a bug that likes to eat the spider mites. And it's a natural source of pest control. Sure. Yeah. So given this information, though, what would be the best course of action for people 
to protect themselves and find a good source or, you know, a professional such as yourselves that isn't going to put toxins into their body? Um, unfortunately, it depends on where they live and whether or not that's possible. Uh, we're in an environment right now where it is, uh, some, it's, it's, it seems to be the decision of a board of non-cannabis professionals put in place by non-cannabis professionals uh, that decide what can and cannot be used, what penalties someone can and cannot incur for doing uh, the wrong thing. And, you know, it, it even comes down to how honest is the laboratory that tested it. Because, uh, for example, in Washington State, these laboratories were passing these people, but then as soon as third parties tested them independently, they found illicit pesticides that somehow this other lab never found. So what we need is is better laws. We need uh, we need better oversight, and we 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 need to stop pretending like it's some weird thing that exists in a gray area, and and just accept the fact that it's part of our society now and something that people do and take it more seriously, uh, so that I can answer that question and tell you exactly where to go or why. Well, it sounds more like we need regulation and implement this source of medication or treatment. But that's but that's, that's what they claim they're doing. The, you know, you you the, 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 you'll have a, a board of people. Let's say eight people in a state, and their their job is to they they could be the Department of Health. They could be part of you know the Department of Agriculture uh, in Washington State. In some places, they they turn it over to like liquor control boards and things like that because they started treating it recreationally. And for example, the the first person to to lead those teams in Washington State was an insurance adjuster, and he decided what could and could not be used based on the opinions given to him by other people. Hmm. So. I, I, I don't see how that's appropriate. I mean, we, we have regulation. That's that's not really the biggest issue. The, the big issue is that the regulation is inappropriate. The regulation isn't working currently. It's, it's, in it's hardly United even States. enforced. It, in, in Washington State, companies have been caught three times poisoning people uh, and maybe incurred a $10,000 fine. Correct. Because, I mean, in the eyes of a grower, if you have a 30,000 square foot grow... And if you only know that you're going to incur a ten thousand dollar fine, right. you can afford a ten thousand dollar fine to save two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of product. That's so no they deal. they they roll the dice, yeah. and uh, it actually tends to work out for them. So, I mean, my my personal opinion is the biggest mistakes these states made was either not offering or taking away the ability to pro for people to provide for themselves. Right. The only safe way you know that your medication is going to be safe is if you can grow for yourself. Now, that sounds to me like you are a supporter of allowing that to happen, which is very controversial, to say the least. Well, well uh, in, in Washington State, going all the way back to the 90s, that was the case. Uh, everybody had grow rights up until they passed recreational and patients had rights. As soon as they passed recreational, they revoked those rights and the ability to claim any medical benefit. Right. So, uh, you know, my experience in Washington State going into the recreational market was that it was sort of my spiritual mission to re almost reintroduce uh, medical products back into the market because that was the only place 
patients would now have to go to receive medication. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't issues before. I, I'm just saying that, you know, if, if, if your grandmother had cancer and you were acting as her, her caretaker, you probably cared more about your grandmother than the investors do. True. And I think that we all have that maternal, paternal instinct regardless. When it's family, you want to protect them. Or, or yourself. Yeah. You so, know? I mean, as far as, you know, you kind of look at, I know a lot of states are worried about grow rights because they think that there would be a black market. But then you think about the alcohol industry and people can homebrew their own beer. So does that mean that these people are moonshining? You know, what are the odds that someone's actually going to be brewing their own beer? I don't know very many people who brew their own alcohol, to be honest with you. And it sounds like a very tedious project. I mean, yeah. you've, you've been doing it you, yourself, correct? Yeah. So you can't assume that just because you tell people that you can grow four plants or six plants, like Colorado does, um, that the black market's going to grow. First off, it's very hard to grow cannabis plant to full term. I will tell you that it is incredibly difficult for someone who doesn't know anything. It's not like a ficus or it's not like a, a rose bush. Right. And, and, and the, the other thing, too, is, you know, you, you look at the, the market in Washington State before it went recreational and patients had grow rights. They made up 10 percent hmm. of the volume of, of cannabis in Washington State. Ninety percent of it was grown by people that did not have medical rights. So, and, and, and it was against the law to do so without medical rights. It didn't stop that other 90%. Right. So how is telling 10% that we're doing the responsible thing under the law, achieving their medical card from a doctor and taking care of themselves, why is that 10% being punished? It didn't even stop the other 90%. There's still a black market, irregardless of the fact that they simply issued a different form of license or a different form of permission. So, you know, it, it, to, to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in the United States of America. Show me where it, where it says in the Constitution that if I believe something can help me, I'm not allowed to grow it on my own private property and provide it to myself. I want someone to show me where that arises in the Constitution because it does not. Well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, I think, growing cannabis for yourself and your family definitely falls under that now christina you brought up a good point you know i i do homebrew there's no one to oversee what i'm doing and you know you only have a quota of 200 gallons per year per household right um but what's to say that i'm producing more or i am selling it and you're not supposed to now if people were allowed to do that at home how you know how do how do we kind of keep that in in check? But they were, and it was kept in check, is is what I'm saying. It was it was something that already existed and was going fine, but when big money came in, they said, no, 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 we're not letting, we're not giving up any percent of this market. We're going to take this away. Um, Most patients who are growing from themselves aren't going to put themselves in legal danger. So they're sick. They have cancer. Their kids are seizing. Uh, they've got PTSD. Most people who are ill looking to grow their plants aren't going to put themselves in any federal or state trouble. They're just not going to. Yeah, I mean, what stops you from, from brewing more beer? What has stopped you from selling it to your neighbors or mm -hmm. opening up a, a moonshine factory in your backyard? It's, it, it's, it's, it's fear. 
Right. <laughs> right. It's because yeah. there's Same. criminals and there's people that aren't criminals. Right. And there's nothing you're going to do in this world to convince people not to commit crimes. And everybody shouldn't be punished because certain individuals choose to do the wrong thing. I mean, what would stop you from, okay, so you, you brew the amount of, of alcohol that you're allowed to brew. How do I know you're not a serial killer and you didn't put poison in it before you gave it to me? I mean, what stops anybody from right. doing the wrong thing? So, I mean, in my personal experience, you know, I, over the last 15 years, I have rarely met an individual with a bona fide medical condition that would risk imprisonment and give up their rights to take care of themselves. They're already happy that they can take care of themselves. There's no reason for them to go out and commit crimes. And I've met very few criminals that, that took the time to even cheat the system because what's the point? They're already breaking all the rules anyway. You tell them you're allowed to legally grow 15 plants, they're growing 150 anyway. Mm -hmm. So what, if they got a medical card, it wouldn't legally protect them anyway. Right. So when, when you're allowing people to grow such a limited personal amount, and, and I, I can tell you from personal experience, there's not nearly as much money in marijuana as people think they are, there is. <laughs> well, a lot of it's taxed. I mean, it's taxed high, too. Right, but they, 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 they encourage limited resources to, to make tax revenue, so they only issue so many licenses. And, but, but what I'm saying is if you allow me to grow 15 plants, that's not nearly as much cannabis as you think it is. It's not worth nearly as much money as the federal government might tell you it is. There's nothing lucrative about it. So what, I'm going to risk going to prison for maybe 20 years for two grand? Oh. Right? It's not worth nearly as much as people think it is, especially in a state, if you already have a legal avenue to go to the store, why would I buy it from an illegal drug dealer anyway? Where's the market? Well, so so given this information, why is it such a fight to get this done? And why why aren't these types of, of topics being talked about? Oh, um, the big thing is, is that we're suffering an opioid crisis right now. Yeah, and Arizona is on the forefront of trying Correct. to rein that in. Correct. So big pharma pretty much has stopped cannabis legalization, period. And we saw that in Arizona. We saw that when uh, Sheila Polk decided to take a half a million dollars from Incess. Incess is a company that was just indicted actually in D.C. Uh, for knowingly creating a fentanyl spray that they knew that was addictive and they knew that they shouldn't have put it on the market. And the CEO will be now in, in prison. And you have these politicians that get donations from these huge pharmaceutical companies to keep it out of your state. Because they know that if you can grow 15 plants in your backyard and you don't have to see a doctor or go through $40,000 worth of chemotherapy, or you don't have to pay for your kid to have whatever drugs they're putting them on for their seizures, they're yeah, losing ruins money. The money tra yeah, the right. And, and it is not just that. Yeah, I mean, e even people that sort of consider themselves in like what, like the, the, the psychological entertainment industry. So uh, Budweiser, for example, and a lot of these big companies donate huge amounts of money. Uh, to prevent the legalization of cannabis. So, like, and, and to the point where they see medical as a stepping stone, so they'll even fight that. They would rather your kid die from a seizure than lose market share for their six packs. And it's not just the pharmaceutical or the alcohol industry. Let's look at fuel. So, the big oil. Uh, they have hemp plastic now that biodegrades in three weeks. You can make plastic out of hemp. Ford had a full hemp car. Back wow. in the 40s that ran on 
uh, hemp biofuel. Right, and the, the Constitution is written on hemp. Hemp's in the Bible. We, we have a history with this plant as a species going back pretty much to the dawn of time. Right. And there was no issue with it, really. I mean, there, there was like, you know, the hysteria stuff in the 50s and all the racism around it and stuff like that. And, you know, and, but at the end of the day, uh, Richard Nixon decided you couldn't have it anymore and made sure that the penalties were as stiff as possible. But they still, the, they still, you know, when he did that, no one can really show the proof that they used in order to put it on the schedule. No, actually, the, the, the doctors that they brought forward, all of them told them not to. Every doctor that they brought forward for their panel that was supposed to agree with them that this should be made illegal all universally agreed that it would be medically disastrous for the future of medicine if they scheduled cannabis along the, along the lines of, you know, uh, crack cocaine and, and substances like that. Uh, and they did it anyway, and they did it with virtually no studies. Um, and, and there's been a, a large, uh, propaganda push ever since that went through the eighties and so on and so forth, pretty much until today, uh, that is completely false. You can't overdose on marijuana. So why was Chelsea Clinton going out and giving speeches talking about how we need to shut down these legalized states to, to prevent people from overdosing on marijuana. What college did you go to? Okay, well, so let's talk about that then. So here, here's from my own perspective. I mean, right. that's what we're here for. Right. So what is to stop the issue of it progressing into something like an epidemic? We have an opioid epidemic. We have a drug epidemic, you know, very close to a pandemic when it comes to some of the things that are coming across the border and international, especially from China. So how do we stop the abuse? You know, if this was to become mainstream or widely used more, you know, what's going to stop that? Uh, you don't have to. Um, so there's there's one characteristic of, of cannabis, among other things, that, that makes it pretty cool. It's fat-soluble. So all the drugs that, that people tend to become addicted to are water-soluble, meaning it leaves your body so quickly that you suffer withdrawals. And those withdrawals drive you crazy, drives you to go back and get the drug again. Cannabis is fat-soluble. It doesn't leave your body naturally for about 30 days. People don't experience addiction to cannabis. They don't experience withdrawals. You can't overdose on it. Physically. It's non-toxic. Yeah. Physically. Um, but an addiction can still be... Uh, it's an addiction to the stimulant itself. You know, you right. get the high, the euphoria. Right. So, so we should, so we should ban radio, television, ban video coffee. games, coffee, cigarettes, smiling, being angry too often, road rage. People are addicted, can be psychologically addicted to just about anything, including cutting themselves. So I really, and, and, and it's just another thing, just experience. Over the last 15 years, I have rarely met a human being whose life was actually harmed in any way unless they were arrested as the result of using cannabis. Now, you, people might agree or disagree with that as part of their lifestyle. One person might say, oh, I wouldn't do that and I wouldn't use it all the time because it would distract me. Mm -hmm. Well, for some people, it's the only thing that helps them pay attention. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a, a personal choice. And I don't believe as an American... It's my job to protect you from yourself. If you're not harming me, I really don't care what you do with your time. That's fair. 
Now, these are all topics and questions. You know that it, all this is coming up. So this kind of an explanation is great for anybody that's listening because this is the conversation that we're not having. Right. Right. And put this into perspective too. Before the 1930s, cannabis indica was the number one leading prescribed compound from physicians in the United States of America. It wasn't until they developed and, and put aspirin on the market that there was a desire to get rid of it. Now, cannabis is 14 times more effective against inflammation in your body than Tylenol. Tylenol goes after your liver and they've taken the legal limit, well, the, the approved limit or the recommended limit from 4,000 milligrams of Tylenol now to 1,000. And what they're seeing now is Tylenol is actually destroying your stomach, it does, yeah. your liver, it can poison your blood. It interferes um, with medications. It interferes oh, yeah. with medication. Yeah. And what happens when you drink? Oh, it thins your blood. You my, know, yeah, my, 10 my, times. my aunt died because the uh, uh, back in the 90s, the doctor suggested it would be okay for her to have a glass of wine and drink some NyQuil. That's incredible. But, Christina, back in that period of time, right. um, what kind of medications were being produced? Was it just like in a analgesic, you know, for like headaches and things like that? or So they would have tinctures. So it would be like a little bottle, just like cough syrup. Mm -hmm. And you would have your dosage from your doctor. And then that's what, and it treated everything. I mean, you should look, if you look at the historical data from even just the 1920s, anything from psychosis to menopause to restless leg syndrome to headaches, uh, they prescribed it for everything. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the list of things that cannabis is effective for, I mean, what, what it boils down to, another thing that I think is missing from the conversation is uh, the same chemicals found in cannabis are naturally found in your body and in breast milk. Yeah. Oh, They're not foreign to our body. We, we actually have an endocannabinoidal system built into our body that they don't tell you about in biology class, right? They tell you about your vascular system and your nervous system. Right. But for some reason, they would leave this one magical thing out. And... When, when I talk to uh, professionals in this industry that come from the medical space, so uh, nurse practitioners, doctors, uh, what they talk about is that cannabis, irregardless, even if you didn't use cannabis itself, even if you used another analog, let's say, the ability to deal with those receptors in your body, so your CB1 and CB2 receptors, and telling them, basically giving them instructions, right, has a huge impact on Every single organ, everything in your body is attached to it. So I know that it sounds like the claims involving medical cannabis might sound a little bit far-fetched. Like, how can it help with all of these things? Mm -hmm. But it's because it's affecting something that's literally attached to all of those things. Gotcha. So, uh, for example, um, the one way I try to describe it to someone in, in a really non-scientific way, but it can kind of make a little bit of sense of it is uh, my, my, my father is a diabetic and his uh, pancreas doesn't properly produce insulin, right? Um, well, it almost seems like that's because that receptor, which controls uh, hormonal regulation and different things in your body, kind of got stuck on one track. Let's, let's say it got clogged. Mm -hmm. So now it's just, it's just not doing the right thing. It's sort of stuck in panic mode and you can't get it out. Well, if I put cannabis in his body, he needs very little insulin all of a sudden because that signal in his body 
starts it, it, things start acting properly again. So it's it's a weird thing. It, it, it's it's but it, it's horribly scientific. It's not it's not hippie. It's not witch doctor. It's not anecdotal. It is literally uh, plain biology that anybody can study or look up. Uh, I mean, the other day, the Israeli government announced that they believe that they have figured out a way to isolate cannabis in a way that it doesn't just kill cancer. It's a cure for cancer. The Spanish government made the same claim the year earlier that they believe they're on the verge of curing cancer with it, period. Not not just helping, but I mean, you can you can watch videos of THC being entered into a tumor and that tumor shrinking flat out. No other treatment. It's incredible. What's what is the best part of the cannabis? I mean, is it the THC that's doing the most effect, or is it the CBD oil? You know, there's a big controversy back and forth on, you know, what are we actually using? You have to have a little bit of THC in order for CBD to work, and that's what legislation has failed most of America at this point. Is your receptors will uptake the CBD better? with thhc as the delivery or right it's uh we we often refer to it as the uh, entourage effect there's actually a lot of chemicals in the cannabis plant that are referred to as uh, cannabinoids um and they all sort of play a different role affecting your receptors and people have sort of a different response to them some of them are sort of paired together but depending on the ph of someone's body uh, their diet, things like that. Uh, one can kind of tend to work a little bit better for the, the same condition just because, you know, every nobody's the same. Um, and you're, you're dealing with a biological agent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, um, GHC is the precursor to THC. So let's say I harvest the plants early. Well, that does a really good job of su- uh, suppressing your fight or flight response. So, I might harvest my plants two weeks early in order to provide more of that compound to someone with PTSD because it's going to lower their symptoms. It's going to lower their night terrors. It's not that I'm trying to get anybody high. It's that the, the problem is, is that in my industry did this to themselves. They tried to defend themselves saying, well, I'm medical. I don't get people high. I'm all about CBD, CBD, CBD. Well, CBD is only one compound. It's cannabinoidal. Yeah, it's whole... like having a taco with just taco meat. Yeah. So, I mean, but basically what it boils down to is a whole lot of ignorant people trying to protect what, well, at least believing they were protecting themselves, drove that three-letter acronym into everybody's brain so hard that people actually think that the cannabis plant either contains THC or CBD. But it doesn't. It contains a very wide range of compounds. It takes a lot of skill to understand them and extract them properly and apply them properly. Uh, Christy uh, is completely correct that a little bit of THC is actually needed for proper absorption, but it can be so little. It has zero psychedelic effect whatsoever. I mean, it, you would have a hard time even finding it in a P-test, but it, it acts as an analog that helps all of those other chemicals uh, come into play. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's almost like even people in my industry use CBD to mean everything but THC. 
and how somehow THC is just another cannabinoid and it's very important and it's medicine. And the funny thing is there are other cannabinoids in the plant that will get you even more intoxicated than THC. So there really is a big science behind this. It's not oh, just yeah. growing a plant smoking. Oh, correct. It. No, I, I mean, I, I get to spend a good part of my time just reviewing lab results, trying to figure out precisely what is going on in that plant at different times to get different results. And the cannabis plant is really interesting. It's sort of a chameleon. Um, so there's a lot of terpenes involved, too, in those those terpenes. That's what you taste and smell. Um, they have an effect as well because they sort of help direct where things go in the body. So, for example, someone with Crohn's, if you want something to more affect that part of your body and your, your gut and your intestines, uh, the cannabis plants that have much more of a garlic scent to them are much more effective. Oh, interesting. So, uh, you know, you might have two plants that seem really similar in their cannabinoidal content, but since they're very different in their, their terpene content, uh, actually still have a different response in the human body. So it's, it's not just a little bit of research that's gone into this. It's a ridiculous amount of research. I mean, for me to even somewhat be a professional in my business, I have to read daily. Yeah. All right. We have a little bit of time left, so let's go into, a, you know, into the political side. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is what the show is all about, right? All right. <laughs> now, Trump is, from what I'm understanding and listening to the two of you today, earlier today, and, you know, Twitter, of course, which is a great source of information. Christine and I agree. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> uh, looks like Trump is possibly going to back a move to medically legalize nationwide. What I think it sounds like, this is my opinion, this is my perspective and what I've read is that he will be rescheduling from the controlled substance list. So what he's going to do is instead of making it a schedule one, which is the worst of the worst, I mean, it should be yeah, it's know, up there fentanyl with everything should else. Be yeah. a schedule one, and it is now. But uh, to take that down to maybe a schedule three or five so you can have a prescription in order to obtain it, would be leaps and bounds that would open up doors for us that we've never had before in the last 10 years mm -hmm. i mean that would be incredible um but the first step that he would need to do instead of just legalizing it or regulating it like marijuana which is the biggest scam that the democrats love to use that they yeah. love to say <laughs> we're gonna regulate it like alcohol yeah good okay? luck i mean that took decades before you know the laws were passed, the breathalyzers were put in, and it, so it's not something that's going to happen overnight. No, it's right, not and going and to it's happen. not alcohol, right? So yeah. why are you trying to even regulate it like something else? Do we regulate nuclear waste? No. Well, I think that it, the like biggest alcohol? thing is it's not that it's it's the amount of time that you are um, considered, and especially here in Arizona, intoxicated, intoxicated, right. or under the influence right. so you have a period of time after smoking marijuana in which you are under the influence of that correct but also every study every university has shown that it does not impair your driving i mean over and over again it's been shown that the impairment that you receive from cannabis isn't dangerous to yourself or anybody around you no it's, it's mood altering but it's not intoxicating the way alcohol is you don't lose your ability to speak drive you know, you're not losing your coordination. You're not losing your focus. I've never seen someone smoke a joint, break a window, and punch their wife. 
Now, are you talking about this from the medical perspective or, or just, just, just in observing just, in general? Just, just, just in general. I've been around people that they when they start their smoking, they're but again, they're probably doing it quite a lot during the day. But then they're they're you know sleepy and groggy and all over each other on the floor, or couch, that kind of thing. So. Is there still the possibility that it oh, no, could I'm, I'm inhibit? Not, I'm, not, I'm not telling people they should drive on. No, but to to talk about that point of regulation, well, you know, could it be a concern? Let's talk about that, right? So, like we just talked about, human beings can be addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. You can, I mean, I, I will say I'm addicted to coffee. If I don't have coffee in the morning, I don't feel good. Yeah. Well, you and have. I don't like feeling that. You I go through caffeine withdrawals. Caffeine, right. Right? Yeah. right. But have you ever had a withdrawal from cannabis? Absolutely not. Right. I mean, no. Yeah. And I'm a patient where I would be considered a patient in Washington State. So my dosage would be somewhere, my comfortable dosage for me, if you were to take my dose, Josh, you would be in bed. I am, I have a very high tolerance to cannabis. And that's something that I built up over Mm -hmm. the four years that I was in Washington state. Now, when you have somebody who just smokes a joint and then gets sleepy and tired and groggy, you know what? They're probably just lazy. Because if you gave them something else, they probably abuse that as well. I I worked 80 hours a week on marijuana. Tell me I'm lazy. Running up and down stairs, pulling stuff out of the ground. I worked harder than most people will probably ever work. And if I didn't use cannabis, I probably wouldn't have gotten through the week. Right. Uh, and so I think that it boils down to personality. If you want to sit around on your butt and smoke weed, that's up to you. But I think if you took the marijuana away from that people, they would just they would just replace it with potato chips or, or beer or ice cream. Uh, you know, to me, that's a personality trait. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the plant whatsoever. Interesting. Yeah. And they're showing more studies now that, you know, it motivates you. And a lot of people, 80% of people who usually consume cannabis will consume it before they go work out, before they go play with their kids, you know, before they go and work on a project for work. You know, yeah. it, it focuses you in a way that, you know, no ADD medication could ever focus you. It, it motivates you in a way that no other stimulant, because that's what it is. It's a stimulant. Um, would would help you, and it's non toxic. So right. I know and I'm not going to die from it, and I don't have any. I don't wake up the next morning saying, like my coffee. I don't wake up in the morning and say I need cannabis. Right, mm-hmm. and you also don't get a hangover. Nope. Right, uh, it doesn't dehydrate you and mess you up sure. and destroy your liver like alcohol. Like alcohol yeah. is non toxic. Right. But the same people that tell me they don't believe in weed are saying that to me with whiskey on their breath. And they just fell in the campfire. Or it's a politician who just got, you know, what, however many millions pharmaceutical of drugs. Yeah. From... Well, even using it themselves. Half the politicians I met in my life are on a pharmaceutical drug. Yeah. They're on a psychotropic pharmaceutical drug. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma behind it, and there will be a lot of stigma behind it. And okay. the education that's coming out, especially out of Israel, is incredible. I would encourage yeah. your listeners to have a little bit of an open mind and just know, you know what? I'm so sorry you've been lied to for all this time. But there's positive uh, positive examples of exactly what this plant can do for people coming out of other countries that are, you know, 20 years ahead of the United States. Right. And I believe in it constitutionally, biblically. I mean, as far as being motivated, uh, when I first got to Arizona, that, that was several years ago, my first stay here, 
Um, I smoked a joint and walked to the top of Camelback. <laughs> and then I decided to go do Thunderbird in the same day. Then the next day I did Tom's <laughs> Thumb and then went back and did Thunderbird. Yeah, so, a lot in a day with marijuana. Uh, so. <laughs> so, you know, the you know again, I, I think that there's so much stigma and that's been pushed into everybody. And I would encourage people to consider that just because you're a conservative like me, doesn't mean you have to be on one side of the fence. And I don't know how many conservatives have come to me after telling me how dumb they thought I was and said, you know what, my brother has cancer. I just thought I would talk to you. And all of a sudden they start turning that corner when it matters to them. Right. All right. Let's go on to that topic then. Yeah. Okay. Because this is interesting to me. Uh, I'm a moderate Republican. Right. Uh-huh. Um, me too. You're uh, conservatives, a little bit of libertarian. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and you're on this path. You support the legalization into the medical use and right. the continued growth and all that. And not many conservatives or Republicans would be sitting behind you right now. No. And we've been tortured a lot working with the other side forcefully. Uh, you know, most of my employers have been, uh, I wouldn't even call them Democrats. That would be kind. They were very, very far left socialist progressives. Uh, I can tell you that as soon as I started working for them, they instantly turned into the worst type of capitalist you could imagine in your life, irregardless of the things that they said. So they were very do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would love a whole lot of more conservatives in my business because then I would be working with people I get along with better. But, <laughs> but the secret is, and I will tell you this, in my last job, I had to call and talk to a lot of people. Um, there are a lot of conservatives yeah. that feel the same way we do. There are a lot more conservatives uh, more open to talk and more open to listen. Uh, there are also a lot more conservatives in the business that I think people really know about. But the thing is, we are conserving, you know, we know that it's still taboo. We kind of keep it to ourselves. You know, we're not out there with, uh, I, I call them, you know, the dab tards, but the guys right. out there with their hats and they're, oh man, this is fire. This is so great. You will, you will never walk into one of my medical girls no. and see a girl in a bikini poster. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> they're sitting, you know, there's just a. It's professionalism. Culture. It's very Right, right. I'm there for a specific, a very, very specific purpose. And my story getting into the business is, 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 would probably interest people. But at the end of the day, I got into this to help myself. I got into this to help my wife. Mm-hmm. I got into this to help family members and strangers alike. And, you know, my libertarian side says, I don't care what other people do. If you want to smoke marijuana recreate, recreationally, that's up to you. I'd rather you do that than opiates. I'd rather you do uh, that than drink alcohol. You know, yeah. uh, but, you know, that's, that's not my focus. And that's why I'm not in this business. So, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I, I think a, a big part of my conservative side says, again, something I said back at the beginning, show me the Constitution that says if my kid's having a seizure, I can't use a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, I mean, you raised that point with me earlier. And it is definitely uh, I'm not a huge fan of the push for marijuana. Right. I'm just not. I'm not either. We because, fought against legalization yeah, in Arizona. But it's, so. it's because I know people out there and the way that the world is going and, and the, the social groups and Right. It's going to get abused. It's going to be, it's going to end bad for now. Not to say that we won't grow up and, you know, act like responsible adults at some point. Right. Um, but the medical part of it is re- is still really interesting to me because I, after, you know, talking with both of you, I understand a little bit more and what the uses are. You listen to anybody else that's in big pharma. They're saying one thing, you know, you get a lot of different stories and answers from different people. So I'm glad that 
at least by sitting down and having this conversation and those that are listening, get a little bit of a different perspective on what's actually going on in the world. Um, I would like to see further use in clinical trials of pure product, you know, not not synthetics, because there has to be something right. that no, could the, work. The, the synthetics uh, such as uh, Marinol cause cancer. So you took something that other governments the size of the United States that don't have commercials, you know, they don't allow advertisements on TV from pharmaceutical companies. They, they, they have all proven that cannabis cures cancer. And our government has decided instead of letting us use what God put on this planet to heal our bodies, it should be replaced with something synthetic that'll destroy your liver and kill you. You know, and I'm going to have this argument with you because I've heard this a lot. And it actually, you know, I don't want to sound like a snowflake, but it is triggering to me because people can automatically jump on board and say, you know, going back to politics, the FBI spied on Donald Trump, mm -hmm. right? So we have the facts, but there's people out there that didn't believe in it. Right. And I think that there, there's been, you know, in our government, Obama would lie. Oh, no, of course, we're not spying on American people or the IRS isn't targeting conservatives or, you know, he can say whatever lie that he wants to. And I want to apologize to everybody. You've been lied to about the cannabis plant, whether you want to accept it or not right now at some point in time everybody who's been against it is going to realize i was wrong mm -hmm. yeah you're and it's, it's you, okay like we get that you've been lied to we we've been through the dare programs you right know? yeah 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 we've yeah, been yeah. Through, you know this is your brain on drugs we all <laughs> had to go through that i get it i was lied to too i wasn't even a, a cannabis consumer until five years ago so, and when I told my family and came out of the closet, you should have seen, I mean, I'm still getting it, which is fine, you know, and, and I, I'm more sympathetic and I understand, you know, you've been lied to. And it's kind of like what you're looking at the Democrats right now that are rallying behind impeaching Trump. And I look at them, people who think that this plan is still demonized or that people are going to get addicted and it's going to be the downfall of modern society and this and that. You've been lied to. I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you that, but, you know, there's plenty of research. It's the most researched plant on this planet. Mm -hmm. By if far. If you don't believe me, you have Google. If you don't trust Google, use DuckDuckGo or something that's a little bit more, you know, unbiased. <laughs> But go look at Israel. I, I would implore people it's, to take a look and when, see When people Israel's tell doing. me they want to see more studies, I get confused because it's the most studied plant ever. Right. It's its effects are the most studied effects of any plant ever. Uh, you can read thousands of, of studies. I mean, I just read a study and you're learning new stuff all day. I didn't know it worked on violent autism. So if you have a violently, you know, or an autistic child who happens to hit punch, you know, what have you, they are showing incredible advancements. When you give that child cannabis, they just calm. I mean, it's yeah. like giving them a Xanax and they're not going to die. I mean, nothing's going to happen. They're just going to be. Ha yeah. It's unbelievable. Problem is, is, you probably got people out there that are screaming, oh, well, I'm that's just medicating my child. But nobody's bothering oh, yeah. to take the time. To really, you know, think about it, listen to what's going on, and you know, is it better for your child right. than right. Ritalin many, and how other? How many years has you your kid your, been on Adderall? Yeah, right. Do you want your kid to live until they're twenty-two, or do you want your kid to live a full life? And uh, you know, as as far as uh, gateway drugs are concerned, 
telling your kid to pop pills all the time might not be a good idea. That might not be a good habit to teach your kid. Yeah, we definitely need to get away from it. Uh, oh, it's disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. I mean, it, it, if you look at kids that are in foster care, they're given a, a cocktail drugs to the point they die in their early 20s from diseases and, and conditions you're supposed to have at or, 90. Yeah. Uh, you know, their body is just failing and shutting down. I mean, SSRI drugs, I mean, there's a correlation between suicidal thoughts and, and suicide. And Most mass shooters are on SSRI drugs. Name one that was smoking a joint. I definitely would love to have you guys back. Sure. You know, periodically kind of check in on what's new, what's changed. See what the political atmosphere has in store for us. Uh, before we wrap up the show... Um, I posted a, a Twitter poll earlier just to kind of see if we could get a little bit of, of an interaction from the Twitterverse, as you've so eloquently Twitter. put it. <laughs> um, it's an in, it's interesting so far. It, I'm going to continue the poll. So if you are listening, definitely go on to Twitter. Um, the Twitter handle is at A-M-E-R Perspective. And we've got 33% want to legalize it completely. 33% say medical only. And 34% have it at get rid of it all. So right. it's interesting. I wasn't expecting those results at all. What do you guys think? I think that that 34% is useless. What <laughs> <laughs> is it a little bit? Is that a bias opinion? Or? No, it's because <laughs> I understand objective reality. And if you don't want to face it, that's a problem. I just, I, I think they'll come around. You know? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I honestly think that people are going to come around to it. And again, we forgive you. It's yeah, okay. We do. we do. I get you've been lied to. So maybe that 34% yeah. this time next year will be 31%. That's my hope. Yeah. You know? We've yeah, come a long that's way in a short time. We, we really just want to help people. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for both being oh, here. It's, it's been a great conversation. And yeah. I think I'll just leave everyone today. Thank you for joining the American Perspective. And... Uh, Puff, puff, pass, repass. Pass the duchy. <laughs> Thanks for listening.